the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And we're back with On the Record with Tiffany. And uh, we kicked off our, our television and radio collaboration this week with TAN TV, the African American Network Television. They have a local reach and a global feel, and we are just thrilled to have a channel on TAN TV, and also thrilled to have 9.30 a.m. The Answer, our uh, original home, uh, supporting us in doing that. So today, uh, we're going to be talking about public health with Dr. Wu. Dr. Wu, tell our audience a little bit about you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on your growth. I am Junda Wu. I am medical director at the City of San Antonio Metro Health. We are your local public health department for San Antonio and Bear County. Uh, I've been here since 2015. And I am trained as an OBGYN, but now I now I do preventive health and public health. Wow, wow. So Dr. Wu and um, Metro Health, they have been at the forefront of uh, vaccination efforts throughout the city of San Antonio. And they really have focused on, on uh, the vaccine hesitant. Dr. Wu, um, why is it so important that the vaccine hesitant get vaccinated? Well, it's important that everybody get vaccinated. And so at some point after you vaccinate the people who want to be, you end up with the vaccine hesitant. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I think you could see coming that there would be places that would have mandates like like what um, it seems to now be coming down from the White House. But it, it, we never want to go to that as the first step. Mm-hmm. We want people have totally reasonable questions, um, concerns for a lot of different reasons. And sometimes people just have logistical issues. Even now, there are people who don't have questions or concerns. They're just working two or three jobs. And mm-hmm. maybe they don't know that you can get the vaccine until eight o'clock at the Alamo Dome or that, you know, the, the Robert B. Green pharmacy is open on Saturdays and you could just walk in. So a lot of people have stuck in their heads that January, February picture where it was people waiting in lines and you couldn't get an appointment, you'd be online, you know, it's not like that. So letting people know that. Um, But also, um, I I think there's a lot of shaming and blaming I hear out there and it bothers me. You know, when when people say that it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, that's that's true. Sometimes people say it in, in a way that people, uh, other people who are not vaccinated, you know, they, nobody's taken time to address their questions. Nobody's taken time to acknowledge that it's normal to not trust government or medical institutions if you have not been treated justly by those institutions if your family or if your community historically has been mistreated it's normal to be skeptical right mm-hmm. so um and people are skeptical I, of of health care of of anything that is is not 
tested in a certain way or if the FDA doesn't approve it for some people that like one of the things that we heard um, uh, during my day job uh, I we have been doing vaccine drives with with Metro Health and uh, one of the things that we heard from people is that uh, they were waiting for the FDA to approve it and so once the FDA approved it, then they were then they were fine with with the thought of of uh, getting vaccinated. But they felt like there must be something askew if the FDA has not said yes, this is this is fine. Yeah, it, it is yet another level of of security. I I'll, I'll just be. Tell a personal story. I myself was not so sure if in August of 2020 that I was going to feel great about getting a brand new vaccine with a brand new mechanism that nobody had ever tried before. Um, But there are a few things that reassured me. One is when I dug deeper, there aren't any vaccines where the where there's some long-term side effect that doesn't show up for years and years. Mm-hmm. You know, that happens with new medicines that are on the market. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's heard about, oh, you know, after a year, it turned out that this drug was bad for your kidneys or your liver, mm-hmm. right? But that's for something that you're taking every day. You're putting in your system at least once a day. Vaccines, they go in you once. They get destroyed pretty easily or else they wouldn't have to be kept at a special temperature and everything. Mm-hmm. They go in, they do their thing, and then like a Snapchat, they disappear. So all the vaccines that we use on the market, not just the COVID ones, if something bad's going to happen, and, you know, those are rare, but they, those, that's real. It's, you know, it's usually something on the order of a number out of a million people, you know, 60 in a million. It depends on what mm-hmm. adverse outcome you're talking about. But those really bad ones, you're going to know within the first several weeks, certainly within six weeks, if you're affected that way. So mm-hmm. at, by, by say, you know, this, this past summer of 2021, anybody could have said, wow, you know, this has already been used in more than 100,000 people in the, I mean, not 100,000, more than 100 million 100 million people in the United States alone, not not even looking at the globe. Um, and so far, it's been, you know, overwhelmingly safe. It's not zero risk, but it's really, really low risk. So you could look at those things and feel comforted. But I understand some people want that extra layer of comfort from the final FDA seal of approval. So it's, it's we're gratified that that did happen. Well, I like that you you t- said your personal personal view there because I think that more people, you know, part of the what we say at, on the record with Tiffany is we're more alike than we are different, and that's true. People are not as um, polarized as as uh, some of my media counterparts would have us think. The questions that are being asked are reasonable. And if we give a reasonable answer, uh, it's easier to uh, convince someone that that they should get vaccinated. Instead of telling people that their ideas or their questions are ridiculous, (laughs) answer the question. (laughs) And then, and, and that's really, you know, at the crux of what we're going through right now with with hesitancy uh, because people people need to know that they're being heard you know not just talked at but listened to and responded to and that is where all of your listeners come in because I, you know, from where I am behind this screen, I can't have a one-on-one conversation with somebody and understand what their own fears and, and concerns and questions are, but you can, you know, and, and I think we all have that person, at least that one person in our lives where we've been talking to them about the vaccine. And um, it's, it's 
just hearing people out and working on it slowly and not getting frustrated. You know, if you, if, if you talk to somebody about diet or smoking, you know, most people aren't just going to change in one day. They have uh, reasons that there's their, what they're doing has been working for them. Yeah. Right? So uh, when you, you said diet and exercise, 12 years ago, I used to weigh uh, 340 pounds, a little bit over 340 pounds. And uh, I lost 187 pounds. And I always say that, that the reason, you know, I've, I have, uh, as, as my listeners know, I have uh, a day job where I work with kidneys, <laughs> fighting uh, kidney disease. And I always say that, that the reason why I'm not in the same boat as all of my family members, because uh, we've, we've lost 12 family members to chronic kidney disease, um, well, to kidney disease, um, it's because I lost the weight. The 187 pounds, uh, my comorbidities went away. I no longer had uh, a heart problem. I had an enlarged heart. Now, that took a while to go away, go down. It takes like five years before you know that your enlarged heart, before it either goes down or it stays the same. Uh, but it went down. Uh, the, I, I, my diabetes, gone. My uh, high blood pressure, I take about a, uh, an eighth of what I used to take for uh, blood pressure medicine. Um, I do still take that. And then uh, the acid reflux and all of the other, like, like ancillary things that were wrong, gone. All of that's gone. Uh, and has been for the last uh, uh, 10 years. But to get there, it wasn't a quick fix. I literally, like when I say I lost 187 pounds, people think, oh, I just, like, how long did it take? Six months? You know, no. It took two and a half years. I unplugged from television for three and a half years because Mm. I had to change what I thought here in order to change what I was doing here. You know, I had to change my thoughts in my brain in order to change what I was doing, what, what I was eating. It was, was it the ads for foods? Is that what you mean from TV? Or? No, I unplugged from television because of, well, I, I suppose the ads might have been the, part of it. But, but what I truly found was what television tells you about your self-worth and what it says to you, what it says you need to be, what you need to achieve, what you need to have. That was the stuff that that uh, I identified as being negative in my life. And I had to remove that. I had to remove uh, the notion that if I just got one more purse, one more mm-hmm. pair of shoes, one more of this, or, or if I just traveled to, the, to uh, Cozumel one more time or went to this place, you know, that would make me better. I'd, I'd be, a, I'd be a, a happier person. You'll be happier if you have X. Happiness has to come from within. It, it is, there is no external item that I can go out and pick up that's going to make me happy. The only thing that makes me happy is, I can tell you the, the simplest things make me happy. Seeing when this morning, when I looked up, my daughter was standing at the top of the staircase and she said, hello, mommy. <laughs> She's 11. <laughs> She's 11. And she was like, how was your sleep? That makes me happy when I see her like joyous and excited at 545 in the morning. <laughs> know hair everywhere (laughs) and she's and she's just a little bundle of that makes me happy there those things are the important things in life not not material items so unplugging from that and really uh we actually like what I actually did was unplug from television for three years sold everything and gave away sold some things gave away a lot of things Downsized from a house that was uh, 3,900 square feet 
to uh, 800 square feet of living space, gave away uh, the hardest thing to give away was the books in the library because we had a, a library of 5,000 books and we gave we, we each person could only keep 250 books. Lord, that was the hardest thing to do is to give away all the <laughs> give away the books because the books were mine. <laughs> little pets, I love you books. Are, you were a hero. This is fantastic. I'm so I, I'm so happy to hear this story or, or enjoying this story. This is great. Like I'm just you know, but but I said that to say it's not it, it, the simplicity of what people uh, the the quick fix is n- nothing's ever as quick as as we as we want it to be. There's it's 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 harder. It's hard, but it's good. It's hard is, is a good thing. It is hard. And, and the problem is that the, the virus doesn't, it works on its own timeline, right? Mm-hmm. So um, every, every time the virus infects somebody new, it gets a chance to mutate. And so we, we really collectively, we have an interest in making sure that there are as few infections as possible. Also, unfortunately, and not surprisingly, the people who had the least access to healthcare to begin with are also the most likely to get infected um, and sometimes have some long-term side effects. So, so just from the usual, hey, we want people to be able to access care perspective, as well as from, I, I, I think, uh, call it health justice, call it equity, you know, perspective, we, we have an interest in making, in, in doing more collaborations like with your church, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to tell and- you, your team, the team for Metro Health that came out, um, the te- the coordinator, her name was uh, Lucy, Lucy yes. Hernandez, she was stellar. So were uh, the nurses, and just they were so caring. And we had people that came through who were um, definitely uh, a, a little bit nervous, you know, and they calmed people's fears. Like, they, they really did. I mean, they're... They were doing more than just a job. You could see that this, for them, uh, is a calling, and they were there to fulfill something that they feel is really special. And uh, person after person in in our community said that. You know, it was such a, it was just a, a, I wish you could have been there to see it because it was such a blessing to all of those families that came through and people brought their kids, you know, and that's, that's a huge, that's a huge uh, compliment to Metro Health that, that someone would bring their child, their most precious commodity to you to get vaccinated like that, well, it was, goes back that was a big to you. deal it, it i mean thank you and i'll let the team know and it also has to do with you and that relationship that we we built i i when i look at our relative vaccination rate here compared to dallas or houston which we're doing better than austin which we're not doing as well as i i I, I, you know, we can be proud of what we have done as a community. On the other hand, it also show us how, shows us how much farther we have to go, because for sure, the east side, the, the most African American part of town, is also still the most under vaccinated part of town, and that number does not change much. Um, so, I, you know, we we keep trying. I, I just this week had a conversation with somebody about can we. We, we still have to have this approved, but, you know, can we ask the CDC if we can use vaccine incentives to have people um, kind of do that door knocking and, and transportation that we see, for instance, during on election day? You know, could we could we have something kind of like that for 
vaccinations. Uh, we'll see. I um, we should talk about this because I have a. Um, a public health initiative that we're doing with Texas Kidney Foundation. We have this amazing uh, physician. His name is uh, Dr. Kumar Sharma. And uh, I, do you know Dr. Sharma? I do not. Okay, well, he wrote the uh, theoretical premise that all of the uh, kidney uh, therapeutics are made on. So, uh, and he lives right here in, in San Antonio and leads uh, the nephrology department at UT Health Science Center. And, uh, you know, he has a personal connection to kidney disease. He's just, like, he's, he's one of the reasons why I, uh, why I do what I do, and he has a lot to do with me being good at my job because he, he's helped me <laughs> and just kind of, uh, introduced me to people who've taught me all kinds of of, uh, of of very good information that I I needed as an advocate coming into this because I was just coming in as a person whose family was being devastated by this disease and and since meeting Kumar uh, he's just helped a lot but we we started a public health initiative he's doing an academic side where he's uh, studying uh, 120 to 150 patients who are in recovery from COVID-19, and um, and following their kidney function. How how are the kidneys functioning, and and um, and what can we do to mitigate uh, loss of function afterwards? And we are doing the public health side. So we we just got a, uh, approved for. Um, working in each of the counties, so we're doing this with with Bear County, where we've got 2,000 um, test kits for each precinct, so 8,000 tests that we'll be disseminating in Bear County uh, uh, to identify kidney disease. And as you know, that's one of the, the biggest problems. People don't know that they have kidney disease. Well, the test kits, we mail them right to their house. And they take the test in the comfort of their home. We get the, they put their smartphone over the test. Okay. We, and it reads the uh, result, sends it to us, and gives it to them right there. Um, so it's taken a while to, like, get it all, all of the semantics worked out. But things like that, we've built relationships in the process of getting yes. the tests together with, with uh, various churches, the Methodist Church, the African-American Church, the Catholic Church, the Episcopalian. I've reached out to all, all forms of churches. So let's talk about this because, uh, and I, yeah. I talked to your team as well, because I think that's the way we can go we should be uh talking to the east side it's through that that leadership because they are 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 really the heart and the voice of of those communities and um if we want to make a change then then we do it hand in hand us and and the communities that we that we want to serve serving is just that asking how we can be of assistance. So um, you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany, and as you know, we have a wonderful crossover uh, and a new home at TAN TV. Thank you so much, uh, Laura Thompson, and your beautiful team there at TAN. And uh, it's us once again with uh, my home and my beginning here at Salem Media on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. I'm, I'm just so thankful to Chad and Milton and my wonderful producer, Shamaya, for uh, listening to my outside-of-the-box thinking and uh, Shamaya for all of his mic drop cool things that he comes up with for me to do. <laughs> um, you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany and my special guest, Dr. Wu of Metro Health, uh, they are changing the world uh, one family at a time. And they're doing it by caring 
and reaching out to the community in a way that we haven't seen before. So thank you, Dr. Wu, for everything that you're doing. And you're listening to On the Record with Tiffany. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation. And I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. And we're back with another uh, segment of On the Record with Tiffany. And I have, um, I have to say again, I'm so thrilled about uh, TAN Television, uh, TAN TV, uh, the African American Network. They have a local feel and a global reach, and we are proud to have a channel on TAN, On the Record with Tiffany. And also, I'm with my, at my home, my, where, I, where I started and where I remain, uh, on 9.30 a.m., The Answer, the place that uh, gave me the opportunity to bring on different ideas, different perspectives, and to really prove that we are more alike than we are different, that everybody has the right to ask a question, and they uh, deserve to have their questions answered. So, And with that, I have a special guest, uh, Dr. Wu, from Metro Health. Uh, Dr. Wu, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here. Thank you. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I, my name is Junda Wu. I'm medical director at the city um, uh, local health department, so the San Antonio Metropolitan Health District. And I am here because you said that this would be a great way to talk to people who aren't sure or feel opposite from the way I feel just to try to build bridges. And I I love that because that's what we're about. We're about unifying our community uh, because asking a question is a good thing. There's never any, you know, I grew up believing that, that uh, no question is, is uh, ignorant. You can ask any question that you want to ask. Nothing is is uh, too tiny to um, to be addressed. So, with that, let's talk about public health because you guys have been doing uh, some. Me- I mean, in the midst of a, a pandemic, you've got the pandemic public health initiatives, but then you still have all of the other things that that uh, our public desperately needs. Uh, That's right. Um, And and we started the pandemic a little earlier than most people because we had all those evacuees coming to Lackland. So when people say, oh, you know, we've been in it for 18 or however many months, just add a few months for how long we've been in it in San Antonio. Uh, But how was that? Like, how did how did that affect public health, what you all were doing when we got that influx of people at Lackland? Well, I think it got us up to speed on COVID a little faster and both in the health department and in the community compared to the rest 
of the nation. So it kind of gave us a leg up, but ultimately uh, it's, it's been a challenge full of surprises for everybody. Um, but like you said, meanwhile, other things are still happening, right? People are still mm-hmm. getting high blood pressure and having heart attacks and cancer and diabetes. Um, we still have to uh, also deal with environmental hazards and, um, you know, maternal infections and syphilis, you know, are a very large rate of congenital syphilis, both nationally and locally. So yes, all of that has also been happening. And it's taken us a while to get people back to working on that. I mean, honestly, this a lot of stuff didn't happen either here or even up to national levels last year, um, everywhere, but that includes in public health. So like the CDC's 2020 update to their sexually transmitted infection treatment guidelines, they came out last month. Yeah. It's just everybody's behind. <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to something that you said about uh, getting you guys up to speed. I... Uh, I just want to make sure that my listeners realize that uh, because I interviewed um, some some of the uh, uh, leaders over at 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 uh, university health systems, like early on in the the pandemic, and uh, one of the reasons why we did not see astronomical numbers of deaths in San Antonio was because you all had. Uh, learned quite a bit, and you were able to make some very good choices <laughs> for for uh, how to deal with with what was coming our way at that at that time. So, um, you know, thank you on behalf of the constituents that we we uh, work with because uh, we could have seen a much worse experience than than what we actually uh what we actually have had uh, if it weren't for some of the quick thinking that you all uh some of the lessons that you learned at the beginning we we're we're fortunate in many ways i mean it's not just less it's the resources that we have it helps mm-hmm. to have ut health it helps mm-hmm. to have something called the texas center for infectious diseases here it helps yes. to have our uh, regional advisory council, STRAC, as it's called, that, that uh-huh. brings all the hospitals together. So, and it, that one, that STRAC, yes. having something that brings everybody together. Whenever we hear the phrase communication is key, people say that all the time. Communication is key. In a pandemic, there is nothing more vital than communication. And literally, one of the reasons why the STRAC, which what uh, Dr. Wu just mentioned, uh, is one of the reasons why uh, we do have, it's a resource that we have that is um, head and shoulders above a lot of other places. They just don't have something like that. Uh, could you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? So... All, there are multiple regional advisory councils throughout the state, but I think the way that ours for the southwestern region is, I, I you know, I attribute a lot to its leader, um, Eric Epley, and then he's backed by, uh, you know, some other people. A lot of them work at University Health to to help guide him, but um, they they've been very adaptable. So. We were the first in Texas to do a lot of things related to the pandemic, and some of it had to do with STRAC providing some infrastructure, even if it wasn't something that they were literally the ones doing. Maybe they were behind the scenes providing a data collection kind of, you know, service. So, um, you know, we are the way our fire department went out and did testing in nursing homes. We were before the rest of the state in doing that. We, The way we had a regional infusion center set up to give those monoclonal antibodies, again, we were before the rest of the state in doing that, and, and STRAC was involved in 
both of those as just two examples, then there are many more. I mean, yeah, there there are, are many more. And I, I just want want uh, my listeners to understand, we in San Antonio, once again, are have led uh, statewide, citywide, but in, in terms of modeling uh, the concept of, of how to do do um, how to address multiple areas of of uh, healthcare, and the fact that we, you know, communicating between healthcare entities, uh, hospitals have to talk to one another in something like a pandemic. It is so essential, and in San Antonio, we just did a great job of of uh of doing that. And when resources are scarce, surprisingly, um you can you see people rise to the occasion and in our community we really saw that with not only with the individual healthcare providers but the structure, the infrastructure that was already built in this this community really served us well. It really served us well throughout this this pandemic. And it's something that should be duplicated in other places. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> there are a lot of areas where San Antonio has a culture of collaboration. People mm-hmm. come from other places and they say, oh, this is different here. Mm-hmm. And it's important because no one succeeds alone. That's right. And, you know, that's what, you know, that's a part of the, the heart of on, on the record with Tiffany is that I see this. I, I know that that's true within our community. And my job is to bring it to you as the viewer so you can see it. Because uh, often we hear names like STRAC. We hear UT Health. We hear Metro Health. And we have no idea what that actually means and what they're doing in the context of uh, the fields that they're studying in and that they're working in and providing services. Um, they go, our community really does go beyond just the service itself, but there's a commitment. And there's the missions of when you look at the mission statements of of uh, of the various entities, then you can see like thematically people are are very honed in on on serving the community and doing so in a in a way that is um, that in, embraces the in, individual. And when this pandemic hit, you really saw that stuff come to life. Like it, it, the importance of that, the importance of having a culture of collaboration really came to life in, during the pandemic. So the pandemic has, has not been great, but, but the unity that came uh, amongst healthcare professionals has been. It really has been. And, and it's leadership like yours, Dr. Wu, and teams like, I mean, when you see that, that team, it was team three. When, when I saw team three and just observed them and walked around and listened, you know, because I just blend into the background. I'm, I'm just, a, I'm not a part of their team. So they're doing their work and not paying any attention to what I'm doing. I could be any old Joe Schmo on the streets, you know, <laughs> there with them. And uh, just to watch them interact, making sure, like, like uh, Lucy is no joke. She's making sure that every one of those uh, forms lines up with the right person and that we know uh, that the Pfizer vaccine was given to this individual and, the you know, how many were given. This is how many vials we, we arrived here with. This is how many we used, you know, like, like we, and we literally ran out of vaccine. Each time nice. that we've been there, the last time we we uh, did a vaccine drive there was three weeks ago, and it and we vaccinated eighty nine people. Fantastic! At that time, 
it, the, the, I mean, you talked about the collaboration among the health healthcare organizations, but I, for me, the highlight is this kind of connection with community leaders, because that's been a little absent at Metro. I mean, not, there are certain community leaders that we've sort of got on a, you know, a repeat list, but, but I want to broaden that. And, and we've been able, we've necessarily had to broaden it. And, and, and I want to hold on to all of these partnerships for afterward to someday it will end someday well i'm telling you that you've got a partner in in uh, texas kidney foundation and in uh american sunrise that's our our um our uh, sister organization like we do a lot of stuff with uh american sunrise and the reason is because uh we too believe in collaboration in public public private uh, collaboration. There is no way to stop any chronic illness, any um, pandemic or epidemic alone. You have to do so in collaboration, and you need. And it's important to have the people involved in it. So you, you know, seeking out those community leaders. Um, from and people with lived experiences, uh, it's really important. Like identifying that community leader that that uh, everybody loves, and and that may not be the the uh, the person that you think of. It's not necessarily the pastor. It might be the mm-hmm. secretary at the church that everybody. <laughs> That That's everybody right. like goes to for everything, including the pastor. You know, they're all going to to this one person, and um, it's just when you start. But in our community, the fact that that uh, the academics and uh, the physicians and the frontline people, because there's you know there's this whole um, hierarchy there in uh, the world of physicians, (laughs) Um, the fact that all of those different uh, groups work with the community. They're open to working with uh, the community leaders, indigenous leaders within uh, various communities. That's something that, that is unique to our environment. It really is because... Um, that, you know, that was when, when you see, uh, us able to reach out to the vaccine hesitant, that's how we're able to do that. We've got these great medical professionals with us. We're walking in, uh, as the heart of the, uh, of what's happening. And then between us, uh, we're really able to to serve the community in a in a wonderful way, you know. And there we have resources like Texas Diabetes Institute. I mean, it's a one stop shop. They have everything you can possibly think of, and it's and it's right there for our community. You know, uh, there are just so many resources in in San Antonio that are. And when you walk in, you know, um, the Wellesley Clinics, there's a group called the Wellesley Wellesley, Nurses. Yes, that's out of Methodist Health Ministries. That's right. And they are just Mm -hmm. amazing. They are amazing. Those nurses uh, are protective of the community, and and they love the people that they serve. Their facility is uh, state-of-the-art. You will not find finer. I will take my children, myself, my husband to to any of their facilities. I mean, it's just uh, there. There is so much that is good and right that's happening here. That uh, you know, I, I what I love to do is highlight that because there are enough people that want to say something negative. But there are so many positive things happening. But when people are doing good things, they're working. They're doing the good stuff. (laughs) They're not out. (laughs) 
<laughs> but know? a lot of people don't know about these yeah. sources of low-cost or no-cost healthcare in our communities. The Wesley Centers, because they're underwritten by Methodist Health Ministries, mm-hmm. they are free. They, they have more paperwork than any of the other places to get in the door. But once you complete all the paperwork, it's you, free. Yeah, and it's um, worth sitting there and doing it. <laughs> right. Um, then there are two federally qualified health centers in our community. And that means that they're given money by the federal government to serve people who don't have money on a sliding scale. So that's central med and communicare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, there are other, there's El body, which is a free health center, um, just, uh, a certain days of, of the week on the North side and lots of other things like that. Communicare. Uh, I just, I just talked to them about, about, uh, uh, some of their, some of their programs. I mean, that we, we really do have many, many resources here. And when you start talking to the people who work within those programs, uh, because what I like to do is, uh, this is my own little, little personal thing, but I go in. And I go and sit in the waiting room and talk to people in the waiting rooms of different places. So one of the places that I've gone to is Gonzaba Group. And I I cannot say enough about Gonzaba Group because the entire concept of uh, Gonzaba Medical is uh, to give the best of the best to the least of these. It's it's really that you know their their motto como familia, like family, is uh, is true. And when you go sit in their wait, waiting room and just kind of, um, you know, I I go, I sit down, I talk to one person, then I go talk to the next person, and then that, you know just to see like uh, how do you like it here, you know, yeah. what do you think about about what you're experiencing. And literally, people love it. They they, they like they like their doctors. They like the experience. They like you know. And you're just like, okay, can we take this and just duplicate it all over the state, all over the United States? Because uh, everyone deserves to be treated like they're the most important person in the world. You know. And that, like that experience is because when we talk about health care inequity, it's a nice way of saying you're not treated very well. Right. You know? People make assumptions about you based mm-hmm. on you know, about your income or yeah. about, uh, about yeah. your about your income, your race, your whatever. Whatever mm-hmm. it is is that is the the impetus for, for that that inequity occurring, uh, it's, that's what's happening. Well, yeah. when you go to a place like Gonzaga Group, Gonzaga Medical, the polar opposite is happening. You are being treated like you are the most important person, uh, like you're some VIP someplace, but you didn't get off of a jet. You got out of a fiesta and walked in there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Or got off the bus and walked in, and there, uh, and you're treated uh, well. And it's and I say the same thing about uh, Metro Health because the teams that we worked with there treated our people like they were important. They listened to every question, sat down and took time. We had folks who, you know, in this particular population that we're working with, sometimes they don't know how to fill out paperwork. They don't know how to, uh, they, they don't read English or don't read, uh, or uh, don't read Spanish very well, whichever language they're communicating in. And so they don't know how to fill out the paperwork. And your team sat down and did the paperwork with them. If they needed help, there was somebody there to sit down and, and talk to them and just walk them through each step. You know, I mean, everything about it was positive. And I just have to say to you, thank you. Thank you for being the leader there and for being a uh, an empowered um, 
practical, intelligent woman running things in our in our city. Uh, we've been visiting with Dr. Wu today from Metro Health, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Likewise, thank you so much. And I look forward to having you again. We will. You come back anytime. We. We love having you at, at uh, On the Record with Tiffany. And you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany. Um, if you didn't get to hear today's uh, message, please come check us out on TAN TV. Um, we can be found at www.tantv. And you can find us also on uh, our channel there, On the Record with Tiffany, but you can find us as well on um, 9.30 a.m. The Answer. So come check us out. Thank you again for being with us, Dr. Wu, and I'll see you again next week on On the Record with Tiffany. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930am The Answer. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation. And I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.